folks, Gavin Roth here with episode 24 of the Roth Revenue Podcast. This is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, where I sit with sponsorship marketing leaders to find out their story, their mentors, their insights, and personal and professional development advice. This is the final episode of the decade, and I have a good one for you. My featured guest is Ian Malcolm, founder and CEO of Lumency, a leading sponsorship marketing agency with offices in Toronto, New York, and Chicago. They work with top brands like Toyota, Labatt, Telus, and General Mills. Ian's bio says he is a dedicated lifetime learner and strategic thinker who is hyper-focused on value creation and continuous improvement. Spend a few minutes chatting with him and you'll see that that's not just a bunch of fluff. Ian is the real deal and he's full of insights. He shares a bunch of them in this episode, including the genesis of Lumency and what the name means, the term Kaizen, a Japanese word that is synonymous with the concept of continuous improvement, which also happens to be one of Lumency's core values, how experiential marketing and brand attitudes differ in other parts of the world, some great insights into how Budweiser's hockey strategy in Canada took shape, including a cool story about how Bud played a part in the Jets' return to Winnipeg, why he admires Canadian Tire's Olympic sponsorship strategy. We talk about Toyota's shift from a car and truck company to a mobility company and how they leverage their Olympic and Paralympic sponsorships to accelerate that shift. Ian's view on sponsorship marketing trends, including the shift back to analog experiences and changes in how brands are funding sponsorships and outstanding personal and professional development advice, including the importance of surrounding yourself with smarter people and the benefits of working agency side. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Roth Revenue Podcast, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out RothRevenue.com. And I look forward to catching up with you in 2020. I'm sitting uh, in the offices of Lumency. Uh, do we call us Lumency House? Lumency House Toronto. Lumency House Toronto with none other than uh, Chief Intern, uh, no, uh, <laughs> President CEO Ian Malcolm. Ian, thanks for sitting with me. Thanks for thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so as we were saying before we started, um, you know, I've known uh, Ian's Ian by name and reputation. But really hadn't gotten to know you and meet you until this year when we were judges on the Sponsorship Marketing Awards uh, panel. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm like looking at this guy and did a little bit of LinkedIn stalking and and said, boy, is there, if there's a definition, as I said to you and made you blush a little, but uh, <laughs> you're a pretty humble guy. But uh, if there's a de- definition of, uh, of an influencer in sponsorship marketing, um, it's Ian Malcolm. So, uh, so, so it's great that. to, great to, to, to find time to do this. So, um, maybe for the uninitiated, um, talk about, uh, Lumency. I mean, I saw you've got an amazing background. You, you started the, the part that I had to chuckle, which was fascinating world. You're now wondering which one I'm going to, but uh, radio promotions, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the early days, right? That's right. Um, or, or the mid mid to latent days, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Terrestrial radio. <laughs> yes, your early days. Yes, my but early days. Yes, yeah. your early days. Uh, boy, what a what an area to cut your teeth and learn about, you know, uh, sponsors and, and, and promotions yeah. uh, than radio. 
And then you you, you had some account jobs, agency side, mm-hmm. a restaurateur opened mm-hmm. a restaurant, That's right. and then and and opened up this place. Yeah, yeah. Talk talk about it. Uh, you can pick on any of that stuff, but yeah, I find it interesting. Um, so I think part part of my benefit is that I'm just the right age for when this industry grew. When I first uh, started in this industry, we didn't call it sponsorship marketing, we called it sports marketing. There was event marketing, which is mm-hmm. sort of transit, uh, you know, adjacent to it, but not all that well connected. Yeah. Um, the, the, buzz, the buzz space then was integrated marketing. Yes. It, it was a big aha uh-huh moment. That was in one of my early titles, yeah. was integrated, integrated marketing. marketing. Yeah. And the, the big aha uh-huh was, why don't we put the property logo on our, on our bus shelter ads? Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, meaning to, to create that connection. Um, so Lumency is 23, we're in our 23rd year now. Um, I'm not really an agency guy, so the, the model's not really Yeah, you only had short stints, uh, right? Short stints, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I worked in radio, I, I had been an athlete, and I really I was really engaged by the, by the connection of fan passion and where brands could fit mm. and how brands could... Um, add value but also express their values and, and, and be additive to the experience. Um, so I, I ended up going back and doing a post-grad at George Brown, which is still a happening thing. I think I might have been in the third year of the program in 1993, I think, 94 maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember I graduated York in 93 and looked at doing the George Brown program, which was in its early days. Yeah, early days. Yeah. So you did that program. That's great. Yeah. And there were, there were 25 of us. There were, there was an industry there. There were opportunities there. Yeah. Um, It was a very self-directed program. It was founded and, and run by a bunch of industry guys who just found George Brown as a place to have it initially. It's yeah. evolved from, from then. Um, and the, the chair and the founder of that program was a guy named Pete McCaskill. Yeah, okay. And he uh, owned and was president of what was then called Second Dimension Sports International. Yes. Now SDI Marketing. So I, I went to work there as part of my co-op term. Got it. And to my great benefit... Uh, that co-op was uh, here. Here's the job, and go to it, and you're you're equal. And it wasn't amazing. It wasn't a bad uh, experience by any means. It was it was adding value and it was getting right in the trenches. And then I stayed on there for a short while afterwards. I got recruited away by another agency that was was in the similar space, sponsorship and, uh-huh. and as we call it, then event marketing. Uh, worked there for a very short time. And by happenstance, left there for a bit of reputation protection. And uh, uh, w- one of the clients... I got I got to try that one day yeah, to yeah. protect my reputation. Well, well back yeah. then, I think I was 30 years old. Yeah. And, and very small industry. Like, yeah. Even now, we can yeah. all fit in the mid-sized room in Canada. But back then, it was very small. Yeah. Uh, so... As I was exiting, one of their clients was also exiting uh-huh. and, and called me and said, hey, what's going on? Uh, I was at that time speaking with another agency. It was just a point in the cadence of that client's needs that they needed to do something right away. Amazing. Um, so it was sort of a serendipitous... Great intersection, business. yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're now... 
And that, that was the impetus to start yeah. Lumency. Yeah, that's And was right. it called Lumency right away? No, we found it as Desperado. Desperado, yeah, right. Which was, our, which was our name until about four years ago. Okay. Um, we've now grown beyond the Canadian border. I'm a big Eagles fan, so, well, you know. Yeah. Hey, sadly, now it's playing in my sadly, head. Sadly, that's where it came from. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and uh, I will be playing that in my car when I yeah, get back in. Yeah. I love my Eagles. Yeah, and I, I done before I went back to George Brown. I did some consulting work, and I needed a name. Yeah. To, to sort of create invoices. So sorry, let's pause. There's listeners to this. Uh, you know, I stopped short of calling it Roth Revenue Nation. Okay. Okay. Because uh, uh, I share your characteristic of humility. Um, but I get a lot of feedback that there's a, a strong contingent of, of students uh, and, and uh, those in George Brown programs yeah. and that they won't know who the Eagles are. Right. So, so folks, listen, uh, Google, go on the Google, pull up the Eagles. It's one of their classic songs, uh, Hotel California, but Desperado is That's right. a classic. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> well, as we were growing, so, so now... Teaching moment. Teaching moment, important. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, our business is growing outside Canada faster than it's growing inside Canada. Yeah. Our opportunity is outside the borders. Yeah. Um, so as we were expanding globally, uh, we, we needed to, to rebrand because Desperado, depending on what part of the Spanish-speaking world you come from, <laughs> isn't a nice a nice. Uh, That's nice fascinating. Yeah. So we rebranded about four years ago now. Well, silly thought, you know, how funny what, what leads you to thoughts. But so early in my career, I'm at uh, the World Wrestling Federation, okay? Mm, yeah. Not as a wrestler, okay, right. in case you're wondering. And, um, and there was a lawsuit, because everybody now knows it as WWE. Yep. It was WWF. That's right. Yeah. And what happened is uh, the World Wildlife Federation, or fund, mm, fund. Um, yep. sued the WWF uh, in the U.K., and they were successful. And Vince McMahon, being the uh, master promoter and and uh, opportunist, said, um, "Okay, we'll we'll change our name." And they they the slogan they used is, "We got the f out." <laughs> <laughs> and they made millions off the T-shirts that right. said, "WWE, get the f yeah. out." Uh, so uh, name changes come about for different uh, interesting reasons, mm. but uh, I like your story. Yeah. Um, and I remember Desperado, the name Desperado, quite well. Uh, mm. So that's why I was like, when did uh, Lumency wasn't this the first? Okay. Yeah. And talk, what is, uh, why Lumency? I'm curious why you picked that. Uh, well, it's, it's uh, a name we created from combining... Pardon me, the word lumen, the word lumen, and the yeah. word agency. Ah, <coughs> okay. No, no, all good, all yeah. good. And, and our part of our uh, one of our corporate values is transparency, and part of our uh, benefit to our clients is that we're very good at shining the light in the corners, and and, and for for many clients, that's I love that. I love that. So creating yeah. light out of darkness, and and finding ways to um, clear. Clear unknown and clear ambiguity. Yeah, uh, so shining a light and yeah. uh, illuminating and right. uh, clarity. I like all that. That's good. Yeah. Um, so you've got offices in uh, New York, Chicago, and, and uh, Toronto. Toronto. Mm-hmm. Great. And and as you say, you're seeing. Um, you talk about that dynamic that the growth is. Is it a, is it a case of the the Canadian market is. 
is uh, is a finite. Uh, obviously, yeah. all markets are for yeah. the most part. Uh, you know, how are you? What about the the competition south of the border? Do you yeah. not? It uh, must be pretty rabid there as well. Yeah, when we look at the opportunity in Canada, not that it's a great place to do business and a great place to live. We're yeah. Canadian bred. Yeah. Um, it, it, it means a lot to our DNA. Canadian certainly. sensibilities. Absolutely. And, yeah. Sort of a mid-Atlantic approach to the world. Yeah, nice. Which is which is helpful. And, and in fact, as we as we find ourselves on the global stage, our Canadianness is a definite asset. Yeah, for I remember us. you telling me that, and yeah. I, I could see that. Yeah. And and the the, the reality of the Canadian market, small population, large geography, brands need to do a lot with a little. Yeah. And therefore, there are sort of a couple, if not three sets of clients that would need guys like us. Yeah. One would be um, they need us for some strategic support or some project level support because they've got an internal team. Mm-hmm. Another would be where most of our business lies is they need us to do it for them. Um, and the last would be they don't do it. Yeah. Um, and therefore the opportunity is somewhat limited in the Canadian market. Yeah. And when you go to other countries, like we do work in Brazil, we do work in Mexico, we do work across Europe, Amazing. South Africa, Australia, um, across South America, the US yeah. especially, the, the change in dynamic of the size of the swimming pool mm. matters uh, in terms of not only opportunity for us, but the opportunity to, to add value. How, I can't help but think, how different is um, experiential marketing in Brazil than it is in Canada? Mm-hmm. Or is it, at its heart, XM is XM. It's connecting brands with consumers in a meaningful way. Yeah. But there's... Uh, there's there are differences, absolutely. Yeah. The cultural differences are obvious. Yeah. The other significant one, which, which I think people forget, is that different cultures view brands differently. Yes. There's different levels of trust. You can be in certain markets where the populace will trust the global brand more than they'll trust their local government yeah. because they know that the water in the bottle, the, the whatever's in the packaging, yeah. whatever the product and services meets at some standard above what they may expect to find in their local market. Mm. So that, that that is a consideration point. Certainly in different markets, passion points boil at different rates. Yes. As Canadians, we're fairly reserved. Yeah. Um, when it's playoff run, we'll honk horns in the street, but there's not generally. Well, yeah, it, it's 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 somewhat reserved. So certainly, passion point connections become more important in some markets. Mm-hmm. And then in different parts of the world, they're at different points in their journey about how they think about brands as brand marketers, mm. and also how they approach sponsorship and experiential. Uh, in some places in the world they would be arguably 15 or 20 years behind just in terms of their thinking. It doesn't mm. mean they don't have the smarts or, yeah, the, or the yeah. commitment, but just understanding... Just arriving at the party a little later. That's yeah, right, just yeah. understanding the, par- the power of, of what yeah. can be done. Uh, there, are other mar- there are markets we work in, for example, in Mexico, Out of Home is a significant media channel. Mm-hmm. It's, it's meaningful, it's impactful. In South Africa, digital actually isn't as strong as it is in other parts of the world at mm. this point. So... How you so you gotta yeah tap into those differences. Very good. Um, I want to talk about some of the work you're doing. We'll get to that. Um, I want to pivot to uh, mentorship. Um, what are your views on mentorship? Uh, are there some people you want to uh, shine a light on? Yeah, I don't have a specific. I never had a specific formal 
mentor relationship as mm-hmm. a, as a mentee certainly. Yeah. Um, I have had the the surprise and the honor of crossing paths with people across my career that may have been um, less tenured than I was at the time, where they'll say to me, you know, something you said or mm-hmm. something you you shared or something you taught me really impacted my 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 trajectory, my way of thinking, yeah. my my approach, which is quite remarkable because it. It ultimately means we you never, have no idea in that moment. We never know where our influence yeah. goes, and you or I might think of a teacher we had in the seventh grade yeah. that significantly impacted our our, yeah. our full development, and they were just doing what they needed to do. Well said. Yeah. Um, in terms of mentors for me, certainly, uh, you know, my dad's probably the most honest guy I know and have ever known. So, so his approach to how he manages his credibility. And how he delivers and his work ethic have influenced me dramatically. Mm-hmm. So, um, my my mother is sort of the if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. That's mm-hmm. that's been meaningful and impactful for me. Um, in in terms of the workspace, uh, Pete McCaskill at SDI was influential because he sort of um, believed what we believe here at Lumency is that uh, we are on the side of the brand. And we may be on different payrolls, but we have shared objectives with the people that work on the client, at the client. Yeah. And that we are damn well going to protect and build that brand no matter what. Like our commitment is is absolute. Um, I I can point to, you know, uh, the the dean of boys at my high school, which had a big impact on, who had a big impact on me. Uh, but other than that, I, I mean, I would even say Jim Collins, this business is designed around the principles of good to great. Yeah. I've never met him, but right. I would say what I've read and what I've heard from him have influenced how, really how his business has been built. Okay, that's so a good it's, one. it's a little less formal. And sort no, of, and, and that's it. I, I, I picked that up a fair bit in these discussions is that it doesn't always have to be this formal. It's just... Um, I read with you, you know, this lifelong uh, commitment to learning, yeah. right? Uh, is the first or the first words in your bio, I think, and uh, and I could see that in you, and that sort of speaks to probably an innate sense of curiosity. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But that just means you're going to be open to 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 listening, taking, gleaning, you know, yeah, from various sources, which I think is a healthy approach. Yeah. Right? So good on you. And, what, and one of our lunacy values is Kaizen, which is the Japanese notion of continuous improvement. Yeah. And that, that logic is that improvement in business or in life doesn't come in big, giant steps. It comes from doing things a little better every day. Yes. And that's, that's the, the, that value from lunacy comes from me personally, yeah. where uh, maybe a healthier and a healthy sense of I need to be better than I am now, and how mm-hmm. can I do that? And how can I find a way to improve my skill set, improve my understanding, my perspective? Love that. All that sort. Of and that, and and what I also like about it is this: um, it's it's small increments. You know, yeah. I talk about that in the sales training work I do. Don't wake up every day as a seller and say, "Today I've got to get somebody brand new to closed." You got to start start today by saying I've got to I've got to start new conversations with qualified prospects yeah. today. Yeah. Um, 
And that's, that small step will lead to another step, will lead to another step that will eventually lead to a closed deal down the road. Yeah. But any, anything in life, whether it's a personal or professional, I think it's healthy to set up small achievable milestones because it's very yeah. gratifying. Yeah. You'll feel a sense of accomplishment and that will motivate you to keep going versus frustrate you. Right? Yeah, so absolutely. I thought Kaizen is, is a great uh, philosophy. Well, especially in... in in your career, when you become more tenured, you become more senior, your your work is nudging the organization, nudging the team. You're not moving things dramatically in any given day. And, yeah. and I, I find I'm comfortable with this, but I leave here on a Friday or I leave here at the end of a day, and I know I've put my effort in, but it's not... It's not against a to-do list that's lots, lots of check marks against it. It's yeah. It's 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 making sure we stay on our strategy and stay on our mission. But it's, yeah, it's a slow nudge. Yeah, good. Um, so let's uh, pivot to some of the work. Um, I'd love to just get uh, your insight into something you've, uh, whether it's an XM initiative, a sponsorship marketing initiative, one and the same could be. Uh, a marketing program, um, a client initiative, whatever it is, it just something that you, you've been involved in that you're proud of and, mm-hmm. and a little bit of why. Yeah, I think um, it's a great question because we, over the over years, you've had probably the same experience. You touch a lot of different files. Yeah. yeah. You have a lot of different impacts. And, and often I think you can forget we're actually not great at Lumency about celebrating our success. Yeah, I hear that a lot. We don't throw up the high fives much. We yeah. we sort of sit down and say, well, let's let's get back to work and what what's next. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that stands out for me though is is um, our our work and our impact on Budweiser's hockey strategy. Okay. Um, and that that is a strategy that was um, born out of collaboration with the client other agency partners certainly um, and that goes back to um, 2011 which mm-hmm. is which is not recent history but yeah we, we were sitting <laughs> it's a long time ago but it's it's yeah. only 2011 yeah that's right it's eight eight years ago darn years time. ago yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy but we, we were sitting with a brand that that had a high high in, in the Canadian market <clears throat> pardon me had a uh, highly associated with American values and American context. Mm-hmm. Uh, high association with football. Yes. Uh, and in large measure because the brand had done a very nice job about association with NFL football in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but our our audience and our, our consumers were hockey fans and there was a disconnect there. So we set about a, a, a long road of shifting Budweiser to become an authentic hockey brand. Mm-hmm. And because we... Uh, Where their competitor had a uh, real foothold. And had built their brand on Yeah, it. yeah. And we took nothing for granted as a collaborative team. Um, we said, well, we've got to earn our way there, so how do we go in and be authentic? And that, that's that's relevant to the brand values, is authenticity. And, yes. And, and it, 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 perfect, it fits perfectly, but how do we go in and authentically be accepted and received as a hockey brand? Uh, and that started with acquiring some NHL team rights, uh, some club rights. Uh, it wound up fostering down to the red light program, which mm-hmm. we were involved in, but certainly not that wasn't yeah. our, de- our idea. Um, and when we asked consumers within a couple to three years of that start, they recognized that we were there because yeah. we'd followed sort of sponsorship principles of 
property out front, consumer first, brand aligned, mm. and show up as a super fan, add value to the experience, find find the the icon points within the passion point space and activate around that. When you say uh, property out front, I mean, the, the parts about consumer first, brand aligned make sense yeah. to explain the property out front part. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think a brand does itself a disservice if it goes into a passion point strategy to try and talk about itself. Yes. It wants to be there as uh, as a as a as a fan, as a patron, as a as a audience member. Like be there and yeah. demonstrate that, and show that you're also you're not only celebrating the passion point, but you're celebrating the fans' participation. Well in said. It. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you. If you go into try and tell your story, yeah, and, and as brand marketers, you you can cajole, beg, shove, pull the consumer into your story. You can be part of their story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, part of that hockey strategy was being involved from the Budweiser perspective and bringing. We didn't bring it back, obviously, as Budweiser, but the Winnipeg Jets came back to Winnipeg. Um, at that exact same yeah. time. For Budweiser, we had a deal with the Manitoba Moose, which was the same ownership group, same building, green cloth seats in the building, but that became what was then the MTS Center, was this, the same building. And seeing how dramatically that team coming back impacted the way people walked on the street. In yeah, yeah. And uh, there's, there's um, an experience where I saw a guy at it was either the first or second game when the Jets came back and he's standing looking at the the ice and the glow from the the, the, the screen and the and the the center board is on his face. He's wearing a legacy Winnipeg Jets um, jersey. He looks well educated, he's wearing glasses, he might be an accountant mm. or some sort of manager guy. And he was probably in his early 30s. He remembers when the Jets left. Yeah. And he takes off his glasses and wipes away a tear <laughs> because wow. they're like, he cannot believe maybe that this has happened. And I just remember that image thinking, well, that's that's the power of sponsorship is that yeah. the emotion that, that that guy has for that opportunity to, to welcome the team back and to yeah. care, maybe look at his city differently and look at look at himself differently because that team came back and 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 he'll appreciate a brand like bud budweiser more if they uh defer to the property and yeah. tell tell their story but in an authentic way that that doesn't detract from the consumers or the, the fans experience right. right and doesn't try and shove their brand in your That's face right. right in a crass uh, self-promoting way and as part of, part of we, we were fortunate in 2013 for that first inaugural season to be able to accept on Labatt's behalf an SMA for yeah. best in show and gold in sports yeah. about how the Winnipeg Jets partnership was brought to life um, I know it well because that was the year I had the pleasure of being the chair of judging for yeah, the SMAs. There we go. And yeah. that I remember that case submission, and and obviously I followed sports very closely and their their return. But Budweiser and there was some magic about the using the water That's right. from um, the Red uh, River. No, what was it? Well, there's there's a confluence of yeah. rivers in uh, yeah. 
to make the beer. That's it was right. local water, uh, right. and that just that that just twi- little twist yeah. was such a cool, and it was leveraged very well. Absolutely. I told the story yeah. was told very well. Well, and going back to the notion of integrated marketing, which was our buzzword in, yeah. in the '90s, yeah. is that in the Canadian context, as Normal Riley, who does the landscape yeah. study, will tell yeah. us. Our activation ratio to investment and rights fees in the 62, 63 cent range, compared to the U.S. Depending who you talk to, uh, we're looking at sort of 110, 130. Yeah. Maybe the same in Europe. Yeah. Give or take. And so few brands do the job that Budweiser did in that example of integrating a sponsorship across all of its touch points. And when you stand back and look at one that's well done, you think, well, that's artful. Mm-hmm. Like that's elegant because. What is the trade strategy in, in the beer case, in the beer sense, beer case? Mm-hmm. What's the packaging? What's the social media? And bringing that all together and standing back and saying, wow, like that is a sweat asset. Yeah. Because it, the story is consistent across the marketing mix and, or across the consumer connections mix. Yeah. And too often, particularly in the Canadian market, going back to my comments earlier, where there's, there's big geography, less people, more to do with less. Too many brands in Canada leave leave value on the table in terms of driving return on investment. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. Um, pivot to a great example, um, and and I, I'm sure the the results were were there with that program, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's where Bud really. Uh, I'm sure in that market, would just yeah. share went through the roof, right? And that's where it matters yeah. ultimately. Uh, our clients are brands, yeah, and there's a business. Objective and a brand objective, and the business objective um, needs to be what what is it doing for the business? Correct. Yeah. Um, so pivot to there's so much out there in the market. Is there something that's kind of caught your eye that you're you know kind of um, find really cool and yeah. you want to talk about and why? Yeah, and I, I don't always get impressed by the sizzle stuff. I think the sustained stuff and the the well-integrated, well-commitment, committed to stuff is what impresses me. So I think in the Canadian market, what, what I'd call out is is how Canadian Tire leverages its Olympic strategy. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, they're probably in year four now, if not year five, or in terms of cycle, they're, they're probably going into the third cycle when we when yeah. head towards Tokyo. And the notion of we all play for Canada, yeah. and the community connection point, and not necessarily a performance connection point that a lot of other brands use against Olympics, but the you know the um, moving forward and doing your best and having a community to support that. Yes, and, and all Canadians can find that spirit and, and, and relate to it. And I think Canadian Tire also, and they're, they're not a client of ours, but I yeah. think they do an amazing job of not only having made that commitment and saying this is a long haul thing. Yeah. We're, we are going to build and adapt and evolve this proposition that's very values based yeah. against what they believe and what they stand for and their purpose. Yeah. And being able to take that and make it work with their dealers, make it work in their retail environments, make it work on social digital right across the board in term, including adapting and bringing in their their um, CSR initiative around helping disadvantaged yeah, kids jump get start. access. Yeah, jumpstart. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's, I think that just shows, especially in the Olympic space, you're making a four, eight, multi, like four-year commitments, eight-year commitments 
on the minimum. And you're investing a lot of money. A lot of money on the on the rights fees. Yeah. So yeah. So if you don't if you don't spend the appropriate yeah. amount to leverage it. Yeah, you better take that better sports car out for a ride That's yeah, right. and enjoy it. Um, you know, it, it, and it makes me think of, um, well, two thoughts. One was when, when I'm watching the games, uh, it was Pyeongchang. I remember putting out a post on LinkedIn that, you know, given my experience with the 2010 Olympics, mm-hmm. um, felt uh, I was in a reasonable position to, to weigh in. And I'm big on this whole thing of permission, which is going to be the second point I make. But on the first point is just saying I, I'm going to give a goal to, actually, it was funny, to a client of yours, Toyota, mm-hmm. and a close second to Canadian Tire. And I said my overall favorite ad yeah. was the Canadian Tire ad where the father builds the sled, sledge hockey um uh, for uh, uh, skates yeah. apparatus for his uh, son yeah. and uh, it was so well done and there were I don't think there were very few words in that spot but it kind of you know gave yeah. you chills yeah. um, and and uh, they they had enough variety in their creative yeah. that nothing burned out yeah. or out uh, but this we all play for Canada was such an ownable piece and that's the second point I want to make is that to say that, you better be in a position to be able to say that. Absolutely. And Canadian Tire, perhaps, and Tim Hortons are, are a couple of the only brands that could reasonably make a claim like that. We all play for Because some other brands, it would be inauthentic yeah. you know, to come out with that kind of message. Yeah. And, and uh, I think to add to your point is that a TVC is not a strategy. Right. And you saw that piece of creative on broadcast. Yes. But there were there was building there was there was foundation under it. Absolutely, and that was that was the broadcast manifestation, manifestation manifestation of it. Yeah, absolutely, which gets the big eyeballs, uh, especially if you're sitting glued to the riveting competition. Yeah. So you better nail your uh, TV creative. Yeah. But you're right; it only works if then you walk into a store and feel the the essence of that initiative, or yeah. you get social messaging that supports it um, uh, so I, I, I agree with you I thought that was a brilliant campaign and our, our punch-in games for Toyota was our first games yes and um, the, the decision was made which was the smart decision was let's make sure this is a long-term commitment let's make sure we do this right and let's make sure that we take a walk then run approach yeah so our, our strategy and how we roll out um, the Olympics and the Paralympics connection for Toyota is multi-year and, yeah. it's, and it has the commitment from a brave client to say that's the right way to do it. Um, I love that. Uh, it just the, the, the harmony of what you just said with the actual campaign, this walk-run approach where yeah. their campaign's all about mobility. Absolutely. <laughs> very, very clever. Well, and and yeah. uh, you know, a sponsorship and experiential is an amazing way for a very clear and present demonstration of your yeah. values and your and your and your purpose as a brand. Yeah. And um, in 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 that example, Accio Toyota, who is the president and chairman of Toyota Globally, has a very firm belief that as he evolves the business from a car and truck company to a mobility company, because that's where the future is going. Yeah. That there's a really strong connection point between the mission of the Olympics and the Paralympics movements and the uh, trajectory of where Toyota is going. 
And I, when I heard that their category was not vehicles, mm -hmm. trucks, cars, it was mobility. I was like, wow, yeah. how forward thinking is that, yeah. right? And then you see it in their in their messaging of what yeah. that means is enabling people to to be them be their best selves and to get yeah. places, but doesn't have to be limited to driving in a car. Yeah, um, I and, thought it was so that, clever. And that commitment from is is all in yeah where uh, Akio says you know we need to also be able to elevate the Paralympics in how we bring our activation to life on a global scale yeah where the the courage and the stories and the amazing strengths from the Paralympians is where the magic can be yeah also. yeah big and, time and making that's sure what I liked about that's why I gave them you know my uh my uh, my score that nobody cared about, but my gold yeah. uh, was uh, the variety of their messaging and the fact that they supported both the Olympic and Paralympic Games in almost equal force, it felt right. like. And yeah. you rarely see that. You see Paralympics getting an, oh, by the way, yeah. we're going to put some together. It really felt like it was at the essence of a lot of what Toyota was talking about. Yeah. And I thought, bravo. Yeah. Um, trends. Um, mm -hmm. Trends in sponsorship marketing. What, can you speak to what you're seeing? Yeah, the the... The, the trends, I could sort of take two approaches there. One would be, what, what are the trends of the business? Yeah. And what are the trends sure. of the space? And from a space perspective, as, I mean, it's not a new journey that we've been on as a society where more messaging, more, more commoditization, more likeness, price quality gap long since closed in most categories. And what, how can brands differentiate themselves from, from their competitors? And it becomes less easy to do from a product or service perspective, and therefore the the values and what the brand believes in becomes more important. And as I said earlier, sponsorship is a is a very strong way, sorry, a great way to not only connect with your consumers to demonstrate your brand values and, and to demonstrate your purpose. Uh -huh. So as we look for the opportunities to better connect with our consumers in a more fragmented marketing context, the things that have more emotional resonance will become more important. So from, a, from an opportunity perspective, sponsorship, um, partnerships um, have, have, have lots of room to grow. Sure. Um, from a business perspective, um, sponsorship um, is one of the few mediums that a brand can choose that can drive upper, middle, and lower funnel results. Mm -hmm. How do I get more footfall to retail? How do I change opinion? How do I improve consideration? Not all, not each sponsorship will address each of those levels of that funnel, yeah. but certainly broadly they speaking, they can. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not just an awareness driver. It's not just a lower funnel driver. Yeah, well said. Well said. There, there's definitely a shift also in. The, the where we're investing dollars. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not sure if he coined it, but my friend Mark Harrison at T1 talks about the festivalization of Canada. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's a North American train, trend. Sorry. And in, in a world where we live more increasingly in a digital sphere, mm -hmm. my, my own belief is that we will continue to find ways to have more analog 
experiences or, or, or go back to more analog experiences. Yeah, yeah. So human connection, uh, one-to-one You're right. This almost, anytime you try and the world is pushing you so extremely one way, there's right. this resistance it's that human says need. human needs to yeah. go back to, to one-to-one human yeah. interaction. I like that. And we, we have... Uh, we have some investments in sponsorships in Mexico where there are festivals, so uh, uh, festivals that have either an Isn't that a Seinfeld thing, festivus? No? That's festivus. No, this is festivas, <laughs> which have cultural and yeah. agricultural heritage yeah. to them. Yeah. But where they're, they're not just multi-day, but they're multi-week. Yeah. And they're, they're attracting millions of people yeah. for food experience, uh, music experience, cultural experience, comedy experience, and that is um, a growth trend in Mexico. It's a growth trend in the U.S. Yeah. and Canada, South America, also. So that finding ways to connect with people in a one-to-one, face-to-face yeah. is is becoming more important. And I'm not I'm not bearish on tier one sports deals. Yeah. But in an, in a in a context of many leagues mm-hmm. where the average age of their fan is is getting older um, younger fans are less interested in anything but snackable yes content yes um, and where uh, the smart properties of that level recognize the the importance of the sanctity of their relationship with their fan yes and they find partnerships and sponsorships that will enhance that and not interrupt it and the not the less wise properties look at their gate and they look at their broadcast revenue maybe with softness and say, hey, let's go get more sponsorship dollars. Yeah. And when you look at the, the ratio of their revenue from sponsorship, why on earth as a property would you jeopardize the sanctity of that relationship with your fan where the, the revenue opportunity should be table stakes from sponsorship. Yeah. How do I make sure that I'm, if I'm going to choose in a category between sponsor A and sponsor B on the property, yeah. I'm, going to, I'm probably going to get the dollars from either of them. I'm going to have to work harder than I ever used to to show the value and show the advanced cupboard of assets I can deliver and the connections to my fans and all that sort of thing. But I'm going to make sure that I can choose the sponsor that's going to help build my brand, help enhance my ex- my fan experience, my guest experience, my patron experience, and and, and add be additive. So that's the, the business side, and, and certainly, you know, we've moved away, we've moved towards heavily towards variable compensation packages where we're looking to in, in, instill KPIs against our, our properties attainable KPIs, but Good. hey, this is what we need to get done in our business. How can you help us do this? Sure. So we'll agree on a base, but That's then right. there will be kind of these That's right. These bonuses almost if you yeah. achieve. Uh, I've, I've talked quite a bit to my property clients about performance-based partnerships. said, you got to wake up to it mm-hmm. um, You know, if you want to. Unless, listen, there's very few who don't have to worry about that, but yeah. for many, they... they they want to attract the right partners. Yeah, yeah, they should think about that. And we work, we work in a, in, a, in a few categories where the category had been bid up because uh, people in the category kept just writing bigger checks. Yeah, and that's that's tougher to do because the scrutiny on the marketing function is is has increased. 
Yeah. And because sponsorship for so long was visceral in nature and, and gut decisions were yeah. made on what we do and how much we spend and where we go, yeah. is if you're a property, you need to help your sponsor make the business case. No, it's not sustainable, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You've got to... Uh, you're right. I think any property that just takes a long-term view yeah. um, and and pays a lot of attention to their current partners and how you can grow them and keep them um, and isn't on the cash grab train, um, they'll win long-term. But Absolutely. you're right. Some of them just fall prey to that need for short-term revenue yeah. and it's doing nobody any good. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I, I'm also a fan of... of work with a partner as a property work with a partner to leave some money on the table as long as they take that money on the table and and invest it in activating the partnership with your property don't get it all in rights fees and then they have nothing to activate with and at the end of that term whatever it is they say boy we didn't have the results well i wonder why i think there's accountability to the property in some respects there and sometimes it's always wash your hands and leave it to the brand, the sponsor. It, it shouldn't be that way. And, and if, you, if you're a... It's a partnership, it isn't is, that yeah. right? So and if you're a smart property, you see that your, your sponsor has a brand which has value to it. It has trade channels. It has connection points to yeah. consumer groups. It has authenticity, all sorts of other yeah. great things. And how then, if you're a property, do you say, well, we need to be consultative sellers and we need to be able to understand the business and brand objectives of our sponsors. Yeah. And how can we help them get wins? Yeah. And how can they help us grow our brand and grow our remit and grow our connection point to our fans? Right. In ways and that, it doesn't have to be only own. only through cash. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think both that those are healthy conversations to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. I like that. That's great stuff. And there are there are uh, maybe it's sounding. Ominous, but there are so many par- properties out there doing amazing work yeah. in that regard. Yeah. I think you and I have talked before about yeah. the shift that I've seen in the last three, maybe three to five years, where properties get it. Yeah. Like the level of sophistication, even with smaller regional properties, they understand this 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 context of collaboration yes. and, and consultative selling. From, a, from an asset perspective. Yeah, and truly caring about what the partner's business right. is and learning it and understanding yeah. it and saying, well, we, we demonstrating that yeah. they'll be there to help them get results. And cre- creating new assets that may not have existed before Correct. against a, a need as expressed by the sponsor. Right. Well said. Let's wrap with um, some, this has been great, uh, some professional and, and, and personal development advice. Um, I love uh, just picking the brains of um, successful people who uh, we live in a crazy, busy world. Uh, what What are some of the things that you lean on to keep yourself sharp? Uh, you talked about learning and mm-hmm. you know committed to learning. What, what What keeps your mind and your body going? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. I mean, I think the majority of the success in our business has been. Uh, Surrounding ourselves with great people, yeah. both, both internally. I and love that. I was just talking to somebody over coffee this morning about that exact thing about yeah. the benefit of surrounding yourself with good people who yeah. motivate and yeah. lift you up. And if if I look at our senior team at Lumency, they're way smarter than I am. Yeah, uh, more capable, more competent. Yeah. Uh, so that's 
been been helpful. And certainly, you know, we're we're about twenty three years in now, uh, in our twenty third year, I believe. Um, I would say for the first ten years of the business, I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I was just trying to deliver good value, <laughs> yeah. and I was trying to push in the right direction. You mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I bought into a nightclub and I opened a restaurant, which was highly distracting. Yes, lots of fun, but maybe not the best oh, yeah. for, for 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 this for business, business in terms yeah. of that time period. But but my. My, my earlier success came from, I wasn't necessarily the smartest or the most creative, but I could outwork anybody. Yeah, boy, oh boy, no, no uh, substitute for hard work. And that, and that only goes so far, so I've yeah. hopefully gotten smarter <laughs> in because I, 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 I'm 53 now, and when I was yeah. about 40, I thought, I can't just keep doing this. Way. I need to figure a better way of doing this. <laughs> I don't want to work hard anymore. Well, just st- still work hard. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I'm the, kidding. The, the, you know, the classic yeah. work smarter. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, commitment to, to lifetime learning, we yeah. mentioned before. Um, always being open to have your mind changed and go in any, any situation with an open mind and a curiosity. Yeah. You know, learn to ask better questions yeah. is a great uh, piece. Um, and then just, as, as much as possible and at Lumens we, we work hard at making sure we have good work-life balance yeah. but having that yourself and uh, I, I absolutely hate yoga and meditation but they're, best, they're the best things for me and okay, I, I try good and, for you I try and do both with so some a little bit of yoga and meditation yeah, yeah. Keep, keeping, keeping fit eating properly how does your more. meditation uh, manifest is it a short burst daily mm-hmm. is it uh, yeah, I haven't taken it on, yeah. uh, but I hear I'm I'm curious yeah. about it. I'd recommend as a starter the Headspace app. Yeah, where over the course of ten days you sort of do uh, ten minutes per day for ten days, yeah. and a very very easy, accessible, guided approach, and that was what helped me get to a point where I wasn't trying to talk myself out of it. Yeah, um, but just. My, I, I sort of monkey brain, meaning my, my my mind's going all the time. So being able to sort of find mm-hmm. the pause, I think, has been really helpful for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, just 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 the the, the life balance. Good. Uh, and let's wrap. There's people who would love to one day, you know, uh, have a successful career like yours. Um, work in a great agency. You get to, you've got a lot of youth uh, and and some experience. But agencies, I've worked agency side. You get a lot of youth come in, but it's a great environment to come in and 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 you know uh, work on some amazing brands and projects and learn. Yeah. Career advice for those yeah. looking to break in. Yeah, you know when when I started out in this industry, uh, I thought I wanted to work for a for a sports team. And I thought I wanted to work for a league. Uh, and then I realized through that co-op at SDI Marketing that was many years ago that I'm an ADD kid and I love the variety of agency life where um, we work on many different brands, different clients with different cultures, with different needs. Yeah. And being able to, to support and provide value in the context of different cultures, different measurement styles different styles all around in different categories um, that to me is, is amazing mm-hmm. and certainly agency life gives you that variety and that ability to touch uh, different different brands and different yeah, different yeah. files yeah. different kinds of work I, I wouldn't be as as uh, 
as uh, coy to suggest that there's the right path for anyone. Yeah, I think I, but I, it's, hey, there's no one set approach for everybody, right? right? Yeah. Or one one to each their own. Yeah, and what I do know is that I, I'm passionate about what I do. Yes, I I like getting out of bed every day with a, a spring in my step to go off and and do and do it again. Yeah, um, and I think that. The people listening to your to your podcast are either in or considering this space, yeah, yeah. The, the sponsorship space, and all of us found our way here through a passion point initially. Yeah, and the it 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 the, you know the, the days are long, but the years are short. That's mm-hmm. sort of the the parenting paradigm. But yeah. it's the same for your career. That if you not the parenting paradigm, that sort of notion of parenting is sort of the days are long, the years are short. But it's the same thing for your career, and, and each each job is tactical, but make your career strategic, and make sure that at at the end of your career you're still you're still engaged and you still enjoy what you're doing, and you can look back confidently. And I, I, I look back on my career, and it, it at the time looked like I was tacking a sailboat across the water, but mm-hmm. as I look back, it was a clear it was a clear path yeah, looking yeah. backwards. But um, just making sure that you 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 are passionate about what you're doing. And yeah. Passion doesn't necessarily need to mean high energy yeah, jumping up yeah, and down, but just thing, yeah, yeah, really fulfilled. Because sports, it's a business. Yeah, and music's a business. But but it, it makes it makes for a good life if you have good days. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, so over my career, I've been fortunate to work in an inter- interesting businesses and industries, and a lot of it is sports and entertainment. Uh, focused, uh, but I do remind people when I, you know, as chat with them that once you get in, um, it's easy for to to you know you'll get caught up quickly in realizing that it's hard work. Uh, it's yeah. it's a business, uh, long days. You're not uh, sitting there watching the competition yeah. uh, or the event or whatever. You're behind the scenes, you know, doing a lot of heavy lifting, uh, sometimes literally and figuratively. Yeah. Uh, so just just keep in mind, um, you know, I, when I was at WWE early in my career, if I sensed that somebody coming in was too diehard a fan, I wasn't yeah. going to take them in because I just didn't trust that they would be able to separate themselves. So that's right. that's, that's good counsel. And in, in this in this industry, I would say generally as a as a a rule of thumb, you'll be ra- you'll be surrounded with very smart people. Yeah, yeah, very right. very motivated people. Yeah, very highly highly functioning. People. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Ian, thanks for doing this. Thanks, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thanks.